Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, welcoming you to another episode of our Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And so today, we are picking up where we left off a couple of weeks ago with the fourth church, which is the, well, in response to the third church, which was the compromising church. Now, we talked about how Jesus was warning of a fairly great church and saying, listen, you, you can be, you know, you can have so many areas in your life when it comes to Christ and it could be great. But if you can, if you begin to compromise on the small things, it's going to add up to a big problem. And that's what we're going to see today with this church. See, this church is, is I believe that what this church was doing was, is the result of what happens if you do what the other church was doing. Because if you begin to compromise on the little things, you will find yourself tolerating I mean, things that you never imagined you would before. And all of that, all of that would lead you to losing your connection and your effectiveness with Christ. So with that, let's dive into God's word and let's see what God has to say to this church so we can listen and apply it to our lives today. I'm grateful and to, to be back with you and to continue this series that we've been doing, I've been hearing amazing testimonies just of what God has been shaping and doing in our lives. And hey, let's, let's keep that rolling. Remember, as we're right now, if you haven't been with us for a while or if you're watching for the first time, we've been doing a series on the book of Revelation. And the whole purpose of this is not to crack the code and to see, all right, what chapter of the book of Revelation are we living today? That's not the goal. The point is, again, what the point of the book it is the a revelation of, and if you've heard it, if you've heard me say it, write it in the chat or say it out loud. The purpose of the book of Revelation is to, is to gain a revelation of Jesus Christ. I heard two people say, yes, there we go. All right. I heard people say it. It is a revelation of Jesus, and my biggest prayer is that you may gain, and that each and every one of us here may gain a greater revelation of Jesus and may gain a greater revelation of our need for him. Now, I want to start today by showing you a map. Can we put the map on the screen? I want you guys to look at this. So we are picking up where I left off a couple weeks ago as we are studying the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Right now, we are in church number four, which is the top one, Thyatira. Now, what I love about this, by the way, these, you can see where this is. This is in modern day Turkey, the seven cities that we're seeing right now. And wait, wait, no, leave it there for a second, leave it there, because I want you guys to check this out. It's pretty cool. So the, in the order that the letters were written, Jesus said, I got, I got something to say to seven specific churches. And now these seven literal churches at that time represented physical people, but, you know, actual churches, but they also represent the kind of church that can exist. And hey, not just church, but individual Christians. So you can find yourself into one of these at some point. Now, check this out. If you notice, the order that they are in right here was actually the postal order in Rome. So when John wrote the book of Revelation and was mailing it out to these seven churches, it would first go to Ephesus and then Smyrna, then Pergamos, then Thyatira, then Sardis, then Philadelphia, then Laodicea. That was the Roman postal route in that area. And when you look at the book of Revelation, it was written in that order. So we addressed week one, well, not week one, week two, we were addressing the Ephesian church. And then we went to the Smyrna church. And then Jesus addresses the Pergamos church. And then Thyatira. Now, I love this detail. That's so why I wanted you to leave it up here. Notice that you have to go north, right? You're going north for the first three. And then we take a turn south. Well, the, notice, I want you guys to notice now as we go get the final lap as the second half of all these churches 
This is, I believe this is what happens if we don't learn and listen to what Jesus had warned us. Because, see, the Ephesian church was a great church, but it didn't have first love. But when you put first love first, you advance. You're moving forward, right? And then the Smyrna church, Jesus had nothing wrong to say about them. Things were going great. Now, I'll leave it one more time. I'm sorry. And then the Pergamos church, if you remember, I said that the Pergamos church was a church labeled the compromising church. It was a great church, but a minority, a small group of them were compromising their faith. And Jesus said, I warn you, if, this thing, you know, if you don't address this, it's going to be an issue. Thyatira, we're going to see what happens when a small compromise becomes a big problem. And notice, from Thyatira down, goes south. Jesus' words get heavier and heavier to the Christians and the churches as we continue on these letters. Because this is what happens when we do not... Guard our hearts. This is what what happens if we do not monitor our walk with God. If we are not careful with it, it will deteriorate. Your faith, your walk with Christ, the joy of your salvation will deteriorate the more we don't listen to what Jesus has to say. So we're going to look at this. So that's where we're at right now. Something happened in Pergamos, and there was a turn for the worse. Well, we're going to see what happened. Pergamos did something. You can check it out later. But Thyatira kept the problem going and that's what we're going to look at today because there was a line that was crossed okay we can put the map away now sorry about that i should have clarified now we're going to see right here this is a a big problem because the pergamos church crossed the line and the thyatira church just kept going now i don't know about you look we've all crossed the line at one point or not have we not yes or no right have you ever like not willingly like mistakenly said something in conversation and you crossed the line i'm like oh i shouldn't have Wow, I went there. Oh, okay, right? I've, I've said a few, there's been some things that I've said and done without meaning to, right? So look, I can be awkward socially sometimes. So I will do something and I'm like, oh, wow, that, nope, too far. Nope, I, th- I thought it was funny in my head. It, it, didn't, it didn't come out right. Um, nope, that's not, I played it out differently. One time when me and Alicia, we had kind of gone on this, uh, this break when we were dating and, and we started talking again in our early 20s, my awkwardness kicked in. And, and I wanted to flirt with her. And as I'm trying, my idea of flirting with her was, let me make fun of her Ford Taurus cop-like looking car to gain brownie points. I know, it was so bad. It was so bad. Like, I, I was flirting by making fun of her car. And I started out in the negatives now. I, I mean, it was in the ditch, and I had to work my way out of the ditch. Listen, look, fellas, everybody, look, your pastor got game, okay? I got game. It just don't kick in until the second, third quarter, Okay. I got game, but come second, second half, I'm a second half. That's where it shows up. And so it worked, right? It worked. But listen, I've done that. I've done things on accident. I didn't mean to, but can I, can I be real? And I know I'm not the only one, please. I know I'm not the only one. That you crossed the line on purpose. You knew, I'm going to say it anyways, because. Or, I know I shouldn't do this, but I just want to. And you crossed the line. Now, for some of us, if you've been a Christian for a while, there's a, tell me, again, you raise your hands because I'm pretty sure some people online, you're different, so you can't raise your hand. But do you guys know one of the biggest Google search questions around that faith-related, you know what they are? Can a Christian do fill in the blank? One of the top Google questions for, for in, around faith is that. Can a Christian 
go here? Can a Christian do this? Can a Christian listen to that? Can a Christian eat this? Can a Christian drink that? Can a Christian go there? Can a Christian be this? Literally, I mean, over, has anyone ever wondered and like, all right, how can I be a Christian in this culture? And has it ever, you were wondering, am I crossing the line or not? Right? Have you ever done that? Everybody's confused. Like, okay, here's my culture. Here's what my faith says. How can I live in a way without compromising my culture. You're not the only one. You see it. Everybody online, they're living that way. They're asking that question. Okay, can I? Where's the line? Because I don't want to cross it. Now, some of y'all want to know where the line is because y'all want to be as far away from that line as possible, right? You're like, where's that line? Over there? All right, see. Okay, I'm going to be way over here. I'm going to be a nice little Christian boy, all right? I'm going to be way over here. Some of us want to know where the line is because we want to tiptoe that line, right? We want to Hey, hold on a second. You know, we want to tiptoe the line to be as close to, I still want to have my fun, but I still have my faith, right? And so we, we want to know what that is. Listen, regardless of which one, we got to be super careful. Because once we cross the line with our faith and we compromise our faith, it gets easier and easier. It gets easier and easier. It gets easier and easier. And that's what happened. Notice, even though these two churches existed at the same time, I believe that the order that they were written shows us the progression. If you deal and if you allow a small compromise in your faith to go unchecked, what becomes small will be like just a weed that will just grow and consume everything. That's what happened to this church. So let's check this out. Revelation chapter 2 verse 18. Let's read the first verse here. This is Jesus addressing this church. And we're going to put it on the screen so everybody can read along and notice what it says. Jesus introduces himself to this church. Write to the angel, the pastor, the leader of the church of Thyatira. Thus says the son of God. So Jesus is identifying and presenting himself in his deity. The son of God. The one whose eyes are like a fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze. All right. Notice this right here. The fine bronze thing. These are images that John saw in chapter 1. I want you to remember. Put this in your brain. Of Jesus with eyes of fire and feet of bronze because it's going to play out throughout. Every time, by the way, if you haven't figured it out yet, every time Jesus describes himself to a specific church, it is, to, it is a meaning that connects to everything he's about to say. So look at his eyes, eyes of fire, feet of bronze. Here we go. Look at the next, here's verse 19. Jesus starts by acknowledging what he loves about this church like he does with most. He says, I know your works, your love faithfulness, service, and endurance. I know that your last works are greater than your first. All right, pause. I want you to know this one thing right here, and I love this about this detail that you wouldn't know unless you just kind of had to read a ton of books. There is no such thing to God as an insignificant person. I want you to hear me when I say that. There is no such thing to God as an insignificant person. How do I get that from this? Do you guys know out of the seven churches, Thyatira, was the most insignificant out of the seven. It was the tiniest out of all of the cities. This was a city that didn't have, it was not going to be the top 10 vacation destination of modern day Turkey then and now. This was not, this was like what politicians call a flyover state. You know, like it's not a state you go to. It's just, you know, it's something you pass, right? This is not a town you go visit, you drive through. That's what Thyatira was. It was an insignificant city. It did not play any big role. It was just there. And I love the fact that when Jesus says, I see, to this tiny city, to this even tinier church, he says, I see your love, your endurance, your faithfulness, your service. That must have meant so much to them to see, wow, Jesus can see me. Jesus notices me. Like we, 
I think that's all. And I want you guys to know, I don't care how small you think you are or if no one, if you feel like one of those invisible people that you can be in a crowd and yet you just feel lost in it, Jesus sees you. I want you to know that Jesus sees you. There's no such thing as an insignificant person. No such thing that you are so small. Like I was like, oh, I forgot about him. Oh, okay. hey, hey, wait a second. That doesn't happen with God. And I love that here. He's affirming this tiny church. I see you. And oh, I love that last part. Did you notice? The whole, uh, their last works are greater than your first. Jesus hasn't said that to anybody right now. Like that says that, man, you guys are growing. I'm seeing progress. This is great. You guys are doing a great job. I'm loving what you're, I'm seeing here. It's gains. I know you're the tiniest. So, man, when that church must have read that after hearing all the others, man, they must have been, whoo, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. God notices. But then, uh, you know, it kind of goes for a little turn for the worst. Because here, then here comes the butt. All right, check it out, verse uh, 20. Here comes the thing. that Hey, I, not only do I see all the good, but hey, I, I see something else. I see something else. It says, but. I have this against you. I, I need y'all to say this word with me. Say tolerate now. Come on. I, I need you to remember this word. Say it one more time. Say tolerate. It says, what's my issue? I got one issue with you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. All right. I want you to know right here that there is, yes, there's no such thing as an insignificant person, but there is no such thing, right? There's no amount of good that can outweigh your bad. As great of all of the good that that church was doing, even though, man, they were improving, they were growing, this is awesome, that cannot outweigh our bad. So I need you all to know that there's no way that your good can outweigh your bad. That's a lesson we can learn from here. But what's Jesus' issue? Why can't he tolerate this person? First off, we don't know. If her name is Jezebel, we don't know. It could be. It, that's a detail. We, we don't know that detail there. We do know that Jezebel comes from the Old Testament. If you've ever heard of the story, she was considered the wickedest king, queen of the northern Israel. So the, the northern tribe, the northern kingdom. You can read her story in, in First and Second Kings around there. Um, listen, and her husband, King Ahab, they were the Butch Cassidy and Sunday's kid. And I, I, don't, I got that one wrong. But they were both of them, Bonnie and Clyde. That's the one I wanted to say. They were a dynamic duo that did damage. And this Jezebel from a thousand years ago during that time led an entire nation to prostitute themselves and abandoned the work and the worship of God to just ugh, to filth and disgustingness. This one lady did that. And so we see the same spirit, the Jezebel spirit that was on that woman is now in this woman particularly. And she is leading this church to compromise their faith in a worse way. If you remember Pergamum, Right? Jesus talked about, hey, the Balaam, some of, some of you, a few of you are into the teachings of Balaam who sacrificed idols and commit sexual morality, the same thing. But it went from Balaam to Jezebel, and those two are a big difference. So we're seeing here, not only is their last works better than their first, not only are they growing in their, not only are they growing in their faith and they're growing in their service, but they're growing in their unholiness. At the same time, this is getting bad. This, what was a small problem in this one church is a big one in another. And that's what happens each and every time. Now, what is this lady doing? First off, can I, let me spill a little tea here, okay? You guys know that, again, we don't know who this Jezebel spirit is. We don't know if it was one person. We just, what do we do know? That she says, I am a prophetess. If you don't know what that means, she is saying, I'm speaking on behalf of God. And God is telling me 
that this is what we need to do. God is telling me, giving me special divine revelation that this is what he is calling us to do in this moment. She is speaking on behalf of God, and God is calling her out and saying, uh, I didn't say that, okay? That wasn't me. That wasn't me. I didn't say it like that. Nope. Other thing, the, the phrase. Man, this is part of sad, and then this is scandalous. The phrase, you tolerate that woman, actually gets, can translate into thy wife. Thy wife is now showing us. Where the Pergamum church before, Jesus is addressing a bride and saying, look, everything is great, but it's like God as the husband is talking to the bride and saying, look, our relationship is good, but I see who you're texting on the side. I kind of caught so-and-so. I I see who you're trying to meet up with here and there, and you're cheating on me. It's small, but it's a big deal. This is different. Now Jesus is addressing a church who is now married to something else, to someone else. This is the equivalent of pretty much this church moving out and moving in with their boyfriend. This is the thing. So say, yeah, your wife, showing that the relationship that they are having, that the, the church has had with the culture, is a big deal. But the other one was this. Thy wife, some believe he is, that Jesus is talking to the pastor's wife. Because, hey, right to the angel of the church, the angel translates to pastor leader. Some think that this could be the pastor's wife who's leading everybody astray. Oh, like, oh, man, not, not, not the first lady. Okay, not her, not the pastor's wife. They're letting her, she might be the instigator in this whole thing, which then makes sense. Why are they tolerating? Because here's a woman of position and authority. Who's going to say no to the pastor's wife, right? It's like, cause she's the, you know, they're the pastors. See, this is what's so careful, guys. Even with your leaders, you don't put leaders on a pedestal like that. You got to be careful. You put them on a prayer altar, that's what you got to do, all right? You just can't blindly follow anybody, not even me. You, you, anything I say, you better check it for yourself. You check it for yourself. But I was interesting. I'm like, yo, it could be she with her power, and what is she doing with her position? Here's what many believe she's telling them to do, because the sexual morality that they're committing and the eating of the food, these were practices that, were, that they, they did in the temples and in the Roman guilds. See, if you wanted to be a part of the culture, if you wanted to be a part of Roman society, you wanted a job, you needed to be a part of a Roman guild. It's like a government trade union, all right? Think of it like that. It's like a modern-day union, but worse. Because it wasn't just you got to pay your union dues. Here, your dues were not only, you might have to pay, put put a little scratch in, but you're going to have to participate in the union, in the guild uh, parties, in the guild services, in the guild. And there was so much... Um, a lot of the culture, and they, we had Roman, um, the, the God, God worship there. They, they worshiped Caesar as God, and they did a lot of Greco-Roman, you know, th- those things too. And, and all of those, all of those, they were, it was demonic in nature, and the things that they were doing were so disgusting. In fact, part of those same worship services was they were committing sexual immorality as part of the services. That was like, yeah, it's not like today. You know, we just sing songs and read a book, right? I open a book, I'm like... There was some more things that you did back then with these things. And so here, here's what many believe she was getting them to compromise on. Because if you didn't participate in the Roman guilds, you couldn't be a part of Roman society, which means now you couldn't earn a living. You were destitute. You were poor. The Smyrna church and even the Pergamum church resisted that. They did not bow down to that. And, and they suffered the consequences for that. This church was, they were great in their love and their service as they were taking care of those who were not bowing down to the culture, bowing down to the guilds, who could not afford to eat because they couldn't live. But this woman is saying, hey guys, I got a divine word from God. It's okay if you cross the line. Listen, God knows your heart. 
He knows that you need to feed your family. So look, go be a part of the guilds. It's okay if you go to that party. Even if you have to participate in this, you know what? God will forgive you. It's okay. You can use the money. We can use that money that you're earning now to do a good works. And we can use that money to help more poor people. We can use that money to do this. Your family's not going to be starving. God knows your heart. He knows he doesn't want you to suffer. So compromise your faith. It's okay. You're not, you see, in fact, you're not compromising it because God forgives us. He forgives us of our sin. It's okay. That's what many believe she was leading them to do. And that's why this church was growing in unholiness. Because they were saying, you know what, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to still engage and participate in all of these things. Even though it's wrong. But you know what, I've heard people do this too. It's like, hey, yeah, I want my friend to accept Jesus. So let, I'm going to do the things that my friend does so I can be buddy-buddy with my friend. So then I can have an opportunity to tell him about Jesus. But see, how can we win a world if we look just like them? How can we win the world to Christ if we are no different than them? Are you hearing me? How can we be? We can't because what do we have to offer? Nothing because we look like, act like, just like them. And that's what holiness means. It means holiness doesn't mean lack of fun. Holiness means a separation of the things that truly drain you of our joy, of true joy. And to show them, man, like, man why don't you do? Why can't you? Why don't you talk like that? Why don't you listen to this? Why don't you go there? Why don't you do this? Because I got something better, bro. I got something better. Let me show you. His name is Jesus. Right? That's what it's about. And so this lady is leading this whole church to say, no, it's okay. God will forgive you in the end anyway. Do you know how convenient that is? I can do whatever I want and ask God to forgive me. Let me, look, I've talked to some people that and they think like this. And if you are, chill. Okay? Because you're, God only forgives your sins when you want him to forgive you. Saying, look, I did this, but I'm going to ask God to forgive me anyways. Listen, it's not like you can wash your, it's not like, you know, hey, you know, talk about hand sanitizer and washing hands. It's not like you get your hands dirty, you wash them to get them dirty again. No, when you ask, Lord, forgive me of my sins because you know what you did was wrong and you don't want to do it again. You see that? That's different. Versus, let me just go to God and let my conscience be cleansed for a minute. No, that's not what's happening. So look, let's keep on going. Look at now, Jesus is going to bring it even more. Look at verse 21 and 23. You tolerate this. So everybody knows that, she, that you know she's wrong, but you're letting, because, oh, you know, I can't, I don't want to confront the pastor's wife because, you know, what if? Do you know how many times we let things slide and we know it's wrong because we're afraid of the aftermath? We're afraid of what people may think or say? Some of you are afraid to post things online. Do you guys know that a third of the country, a study just came out, a third of the country is afraid to share and say what they truly believe because they're afraid of getting canceled or canned and fired or whatever. And, and that's from both sides of the aisle. People are afraid to truly say what they believe because they're afraid of the consequences. And so here's like, oh, I don't want to tell the pastor's wife. I can't, what am I going to say? What if they kick me out? What if I do this? What if I lose a friend? What if she come after me like that now? Listen, no, that's not, that's not love, by the way. That's not love to avoid that kind of confrontation. Look what Jesus said. Look at the confrontation Jesus is bringing. Verse 21. All right, I'm going to read it for a I gave her time to repent. I love that. Look at Jesus' patience there. I want her to turn around. I want her to repent. I want her to realize that she's not in the right. I gave her time, but look at this. She does not want to. She doesn't want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her. Meaning, maybe it could be actual, physical, or they're, you know, 
committing the same debaucheries that she's going with. Whoever commits adultery with her in a great affliction, unless they repent of their works, I will strike her children dead, meaning her followers. Then all of the churches will know that I am the one who examines hearts and minds, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Jesus ain't playing. By the way, you know what's interesting? This is the smallest city out of the seven, and it gets the longest letter. The smallest. Jesus ain't pulling punches. He, I, don't, I don't care if you're the tiniest one of the bunch. I'm not pulling any punches. You get the longest letter here. And here, look at this. What is he saying? Pretty much this. If you're going to do that, and I love you. Don't you see God's heart? I want her to repent. I gave her time to repent. That she may have time to turn around and her and her followers. But what did Jesus say? She doesn't want to. How does Jesus know this? Notice he said, the churches will know that I examine the hearts. What, was Je- what does Jesus' eyes look like, guys? Fire. See, those, are, those eyes of fire are eyes that can see through all of our filters. These are eyes that examine and to see your motives. Where here she's saying, no, God knows you still love him. If you, you know, yeah, I still love Jesus, but I do this and I do that. And yeah, I compromise and whatever I still do, but I can't. You know, it's not that bad, right? It's, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Jesus sees your motives and he says, no, see, you're not doing this so you can win a soul. You're doing this because you're selfish. You want to do this. You know it's wrong, but you don't care and you want to do it anyways. See, this, guys, this should should put, not only should kind of make our hearts turn to God, but it should put fear in our hearts that God will give us time to repent. But at the same time, if you don't want to learn that way, sometimes you got to learn the hard way. And, And Jesus will allow you, Tony Evans says it best, sometimes Jesus will allow you to hit rock bottom so you can see that he is the rock at the bottom. I love that. I love that. And so sometimes God will hold back out of his mercy. Hey, turn around before it's too late. But if we refuse, he got to let that go. He got to let that go in order, not to punish you, but in order to even more wake you up because our hearts are so hard. Like we should think and and appreciate our God, but we can't play games. In fact, I love this. Jesus is pretty much saying what I've heard so many people say today and on on Twitter and whatnot. You play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. All right, you ever heard one of those? If you play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. That's what Jesus is saying. Y'all going to play this game? Y'all want to keep going? This is what's going to happen. Remember, Jesus' eyes see, but what did his feet look like? Bronze. And bronze in the Bible always talks about judgment of sin. He said, look, I need y'all to get out, get out of the way. Get out of the way. I have to judge sin. Because he's good, he has to address it. And he does not want us to be on the bottom end of that. His word says that all of God's enemies will be under the feet of Jesus, that Jesus will. And he doesn't want us to be on that side of the tracks. He does not want us to be on that. He Instead, he wants us to get lost in his eyes, not crushed by his feet, but our God's good. You don't play, you win stupid, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Look what he says in this next one here. Verse 24, he's in a challenge. Here comes a challenge. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira. So pretty much he's saying, yo, y'all need to repent. You guys need to repent. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold on to the teaching. So here we have a, a faithful few where before in Pergamum it was a small that was compromising. But now it's a small group that is faithful. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold on to this teaching, who haven't known the so-called, I lo- look at the sarcasm in Jesus saying, the secrets of Satan as they say. All right, this is Jesus here. I am not putting any other burden on you. Only hold on to what I have until I come. This could be the rapture or the second coming. The one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority 
over the nations. And he will rule them with an iron scepter, and he will shatter them like pottery. Just as I have received this from my father, I will also give him the morning star. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Look at this challenge here, guys. He's saying, look, hey, if you're compromising your faith, if your faith has been so corrupted that you have gone numb to me, he is saying repent, which is amazing to see that, man, these people have just turned their back, betrayed God, and yet God still is saying, I still want you back. Isn't that amazing to see his love? And that shows that it doesn't matter what we have done, what you've ever become, God's arms are still open wide. As long as there is breath in your lungs and he has not returned, there is time. But we have to understand that time runs out, whether for us or for the world, that we can't play these games. And notice he says, you've held on. I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than you're already doing because you are standing up against this. You are not bowing down. You're not uh, refusing I'm sorry, you're refusing to participate in all these things. You haven't bought the so-called secrets of Satan, as they say. I love that one because I, I really believe that, that the lady, Jezebel, is saying, hey, I got a secret from God. Here's a special revelation. God says it's okay that we do this as long as we ask for forgiveness because that's how we're going to win the culture. That's how we're going to win our city. Jesus is saying, uh-uh, that's a secret from Satan, as they say. Okay, that's a secret from Satan, not me. He's calling that out as a demonic lie. And he's saying, for those of you, man, just press on, press on, press on, keep going. And what does Jesus give us? What does Jesus give us here? He says that, I know this is an interesting one. Look at this. He says, uh, I will give them authority over the nations and a morning star. What does that mean? Again, remember, how big was this city? Insignificant. This was nothing. For Rome, Thyatira was nothing. All right? It was not that big of a deal. It didn't play any political games, nothing. And so here, Jesus is saying to the most insignificant city in this Roman region, he's saying, I'll give you authority, not just in your nation, in the nations. Like, that's significance. That's power. Jesus is saying, if you, if you want significance, like you're bowing down to the culture because you want to feel accepted. You want significance. Jesus is saying, no, if you want significance, no, surrender to me, and you will, I, in my love, he will give us all the significance and the purpose that we need. That we can't find anywhere else. And the morning star, listen, that's Jesus. You'll see it later. Jesus is the bright and morning star. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you me. You win me. I'm the prize. Remember I said a minute ago, you, if you play stupid games, you do what? You win stupid prizes, right? You play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Uh, there's a parent that's going to use that one day. I guarantee you watch. There's a parent who's going to use that. Listen, we've all lost this game. We've all lost the game of holiness. We all lost. And yet, even though we lose, we can still win the prize that is Christ. Think of that. In fact, you can't earn that. You have to lose in order to gain that prize. To realize that you have lost and that there is no winning outside of surrendering to Jesus. He is that prize. He is telling the small, significant church, man, you're going to see. If you want love, you want acceptance, you want importance, man, it's all found in me. And here's the thing that we got to be careful with, guys, because he was warning this church. Remember, if y'all don't, the slide is going to go, right? Look how far we've seen the slide go so far. With the Smyrna church, Jesus talked about the synagogue of Satan. The next church, Pergamum, talked about the throne of Satan. And now here with Thyatira, they are into the deep things of Satan. Do you see the slide? Do you see how it's going? And it's just going to get worse as we see the next couple of weeks. 
And this is something, guys, that the only way, you and I, we cannot stop this slide. Only, the only thing that we can do is surrender to our Savior. But let me warn you, please, especially now with so much things going on. If the love of God, if God's love for you begins to become less important, if God's love for you becomes less important, you know what? Your love for God becomes, begins to grow cold. And when your love for God begins to grow cold, your love for the world increases. And so does your sorrow. So does your pain. So does the void. It will continue to increase. The more our love for God or really his love for us begins to decrease in our minds. And so here's the kind of the bottom line. We can say, I mean, it's clear as day. Jesus does not tolerate those who tolerate sin. Is that clear? Jesus is intolerant of those who tolerate sin. Why? Because what you eventually tolerate will eventually be celebrated. You, you don't believe me? Look right now. Look in, the, in, the, look in, the, in our cities. Look online what's happening. How so many of us have tolerated certain thinkings and certain things. And now look what, what was once tolerated. Now it's being celebrated. And our cities are burning. You see that? That's what happens to sin. When we tolerate sin, parents be careful. And this one weighs on me. You may pass your values on to your kids, but you hardly pass on your boundaries. Okay? You hardly pass on your boundaries because what you tolerate as a parent, they're going to celebrate. And that, you have to be so careful with that. And that's what with sin is the same thing. If we tolerate it for a minute, we will then celebrate it at our own demise, at our own destruction. And Jesus says, no, I do not tolerate when you tolerate sin because it's going to hurt you. It's going to rip you apart. It's going to pull you away from me, from the very things that you want and need. It don't, I don't want you to tolerate it one bit. And here's even the worst part. Jesus is intolerant of those who tolerate sin, yet those who tolerate sin become more intolerant of Jesus. I need that one to hit somebody. The more you tolerate sin in your life, oh, it's just, it's just music, it's just this, it's just, it's just one time, it's not like we're having sex, it's not this, it's just whatever, it's not. Fill in the blank. The more you tolerate sin, the more you become intolerant of Jesus. The more numb you become to his voice, the more numb you become to his presence. And then you buy into the lie. Oh, see, it wasn't real to begin with. Oh, see, and, done. and then you, fur, you fall further further down the slide. Listen, that's not what Jesus wants for us. Jesus died on the cross because you and I have all crossed the line way too much. That's why he died on the cross, so that we can recross it back to him. But we need to be careful. Not to play these games. And how, let me, I want you guys to reflect as we're playing, as we're, we're in here. I want to ask you, is your faith, is your love for God increasing? Is when you open up the God's word, are you still excited to be able to encounter him in, in, in the word, in prayer, in worship? It, does your heart grow? Does your heart grow for serving others? Is your heart breaking for the lost? Is your heart growing? Are you growing in that? If you're not then you've probably compromised something at some point. You are tolerating something you shouldn't tolerate that is sucking the life out of you. If you're not growing, that means you are tolerating something that is growing inside of you. So you should ask yourself, then what am I tolerating? What excuse, how have I lowered the bar? Uh, did I go from, oh yeah, I, I would never do that, to, well, really, I guess it wasn't that bad, to the words that we're saying. You know, some, some of us are tolerating, again, bad habits that now have become a stronghold. And you know, it's not that bad. 
and it's a demonic stronghold in your life. Some of us are tolerating entertainment way too much. We're tolerating, like, oh, it's not that bad. It's just this, it's just that. Yet the more you tolerate it, the more it corrupts your heart and your spirit and everything. If that becomes all you listen to. Am I saying we can't listen to anything that isn't a Jesus hallelujah and isn't like the passion of the Christ? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you got to be careful though to what you tolerate. Some of you are tolerating unforgiveness. Some people are tolerating unforgiveness. You're tolerating bitterness. You're tolerating a lack of esteem. You are tolerating lies. This church tolerated the lies. So many of us, are, there's so many of us that can be, if you feel that your faith is not growing, it's because you're tolerating something you shouldn't. But see, the eyes of Jesus see. The eyes of Jesus see what it is, and he can open up our eyes. And he, he can address that if we surrender to him. He can, he can do that. And we don't have to be afraid. I know we see maybe Jesus with these eyes of fire, like, you know, he's going to burn right through me. Yeah, he, he wants to in a good way, but you don't have to wonder what is he going to say what is he going to think of me let me show you this one verse we're going to end with lamentations the prophet jeremiah read i'm going to read from the prophet jeremiah as he wrote the book of lamentations which lamentations was a church it was a uh, the nation that have compromised their faith that they become so corrupted that they lost it all and notice look what lamentations 40 jeremiah is saying let us examine and probe our ways and turn back to the lord church everybody online those who are watching listen this is something we do every day the same way that we look ourselves in the mirror we examine am i good today that should be a regular habit lord examine my heart show me if i'm tolerating anything i shouldn't tolerate and lord continue to lead me back to you but what is he going to say what is he going to do uh, look what he i'm going to skip look what verse 52 says i mean i'm sorry i'm going to look at 55 it says i called on your name lord from the depth of my pit, you heard my plea. You did not ignore my cry for relief. You came near whenever I called you, and you said what? Do not be afraid. Listen, you don't have to be afraid of what God is going to say. Like if the second you confess a sin, God's like, oh my gosh. God sees. He sees it all and still loves. The confession is not for him. The confession is for you to own up and to surrender and say, Lord, I can't get me out of this pit. I can't get out of this. I'm down this slide. I can't, Lord, help me. And we do not have to be afraid because, yes, his eyes are of fire, but that fire is not burning anger. The eyes of Jesus are on fire, not because he's angry with us. He is, his eyes are on fire because of how passionate and hot his love is for you. That his love for you is burned so hot that his eyes look like fire. And when we, he sees us, it's his love that moves in us. It's his love that heals all wounds. It's his love that fixes whatever, changes our desires. But yet we can look into his eyes. His eyes show our motives. They reveal our selfish motives. But when we look into the eyes of Jesus, we don't see selfishness. We see selflessness. We see love. We see in Jesus' eyes, his motives, everything that he did on why he stepped onto the cross, why he does what he does and pursues us, not to squash us, but so we can get lost in his eyes of love. And that's what we all need to do is examine our hearts and to recognize, look, every time we might tolerate something, saying, Lord, I, forgive me, change my heart, renew 
my soul. Listen, that's what we need to constantly do. Repent of our sin, remain in that love, and redirect as many people as possible because there is nothing that can compare when you recross the line in faith into your loving arms of your Savior. Is there or is there not? There's nothing. Listen. If Jesus is intolerant of sin, or in fact, if Jesus is intolerant of those who tolerate sin, especially inside of his church, that means that we should be also. We should be intolerant of those who tolerate sin. Now, does that mean we mistreat them? No. We love them and we call them back. We, we correct them in love. Because like what Jesus said, those who, in, those who tolerate sin will experience the, effect, the, the, the effects of sin. And, and that we shouldn't have that. Our hearts should break. Our hearts should break for our own spiritual condition and for those in the spiritual condition of other people. And so listen, you and I, you and I cannot alter our motives ourselves. That only comes from Christ. Only the Holy Spirit has the ability and the power to do that. And so we need to make sure that we're not just pointing the fingers and saying, yep, that person, that person, that person. No, we need to point all those fingers to us and say, Lord, show me of any area that I am being intolerant of. Am I, am I tolerating unforgiveness? Am I tolerating selfishness? Am I tolerating greed? Am I tolerating laziness? Am, am I tolerating lust? What am I tolerating? Because anything that you are tolerating is going to completely and totally wreck your connection with God. And that's not what he wants. That's why he is telling you to come back. That is why he's telling you to repent, giving you an opportunity for the Lord to reverse those things and to give you a new heart and a new desire. Guys, and that right there, that's what it means to be the revolutionary that Jesus is calling for and looking for. All right, those who are intolerant of those who tolerates, and really you should be of yourself, you should be intolerant of yourself for tolerating anything. Because the more you do that, the more you realize that, man, again, this does not compare to knowing Christ. So keep pursuing God. Keep pursuing Christ. Don't tolerate. Don't be intolerant, I'm sorry, of God. All right? Because, hey, the more you tolerate sin, the more you will be intolerant of God. And that is a dangerous, scary, sad place to be. But the more you tolerate and the more you experience the love of God, the more intolerant you will be of those things. And so keep pursuing Christ, keep repenting of your sins, keep you know asking the Lord to right any wrong that's in you, and he will lead you the rest of the way. Now, I will see you guys next week as we continue this mini-series on the seven letters, because we're going to talk about next week what happens when you don't Okay, when you are, when you don't do this, when you keep tolerating sin, it just gets uglier and uglier. And you're going to find out when we come back.